Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so grateful you're here. Today's episode is going to be another myth-busting episode. This one's all about feeding babies. So if you missed my picky eater myth-busting episode, go back and listen to that one as well. Uh, You guys seem to really like it, and I appreciate all the feedback. I always love to know uh, what you guys like to listen to, what is helpful, and sometimes the best way to do that is just tell me what was helpful last time, and I can kind of recreate that same idea next time. So before we get into the myth busting, I just want to give a special shout out to you who's listening to this right now. Yes, you. You are so important and valued and the work that you're doing really matters. I know that sometimes it can feel like this stuff doesn't matter. Like feeding your kids endless amounts of broccoli while they're not touching it doesn't matter or trying to wrangle them and wipe their butts and get them in the bath and get them out of the bath and put lotion on them and clothe them and bathe them and feed them and cuddle them, right? I just I just want you to know that I appreciate you as someone who is also raising children in this world who will just be in this world alongside your children. Thank you for the work that you're doing. It's important. And I just don't think moms hear that enough. So it really is important when you're up in the middle of the night and you feel like no one is with you. I'm with you. So I just want you to know that. Um, I also want to give a big thank you to everyone who's listening right now, not only because you are taking actionable steps to help your little one, like you are a clear action taker, but also because you care so much about them. And that's so evident just by the fact that you're listening to this in whatever little free time that you have, even if it's just an AirPod in your ear while you're chasing your kids been there or you're on your way to work, all of those things. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being a part of this community. It is what it is because of you and you really are helping other moms. Even if you're just a lurker and you're just listening and doing all the things, I know that what you're doing is important and it's shaping this community. So thanks for being here. And a special thank you, of course, to those who leave me a written review here on the podcast. And not only does it fill me up and help me create better content for you, for what's working for you, but it also helps other moms just like you find this podcast. So if you have found this podcast helpful at all, I would love it if you took one minute to leave me a written review. It's completely for free. It's done, dusted. You don't have to worry about it. And it means so much to me and the other moms of this community as well. With that being said, I always like to try and read the reviews. Now I read all of them in my free time. However, I want to read them here on the podcast as well. And just to say an extra thank you. So this one is from Ashley C1213. She said, thankful, five stars. So thankful for this podcast and the help it provides. My daughter is super picky eater, and this helps me learn new ways to expand a lot of her safe foods. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ashley, for being here. I appreciate you and uh, just grateful for your kind words. And I'm so glad this podcast has been helpful for you. Okay, I want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's podcast episode, not only for sponsoring, but also for the work that they do. Today's episode is sponsored by Safe Beginnings First Aid and CPR course. Holly from Safe Beginnings believes that being able to confidently react in an emergency 
is the peace of mind that every family deserves. And I agree. I want you to feel empowered to keep your family safe by taking her online first aid and CPR course, just like I did. I have taken a lot of CPR trainings over the years, and Holly's is by far my favorite. It's clear, concise, easy to follow, and truly puts your mind at ease as a mom. No matter the age or stage of your little one, this course is a must take. A quote I once heard by Max Mayfield has always stuck with me, and I want to share it with you. He says, preparation through education is less costly than learning through tragedy. And I don't want to be a downer, but this could not be more true when it comes to our kids. It's time to start feeling confident at the table. And I want you to get started today by clicking the link in the description box below and use my code Alyssa20 for 20% off. Trust me, this is a decision you will not regret. All right, now back to the show. All right, let's get into this myth busting for babies. Now, I had to tailor this list. I came up with, I think it was 20, like it was right around 20, 18 or 20 between their myths that I could just like rattle off the top of my head. And I try to keep these episodes very short, very mom friendly. And so maybe I'll do a part two eventually, but I have six. I whittled it down to six and I feel really good about them. (laughs) These are the most common ones that I hear moms not only wrestle with, like, is this true? Is this not true? But a lot of moms believed that this was true, even when they were feeding their babies. And so um, I just want to let any moms out there know that if you have done any of these things because you too thought this was true, do not beat yourself up. Grace upon grace upon grace. Things are always changing, always moving. We have a lot on our plate. We are doing the best we can. So first and foremost, that. Second, uh, Second on the bat is to say that once we know better, we can do better, right? And I always think of that quote from Maya Angelou because it is so powerful and so applicable to parenting, I feel like especially, but really everything in our lives. So remember that you can do the best you can until you know better. And once we know better, we can then do better. So uh, hopefully that is helpful for this moving forward. All right. And on that note, let's start with the very first myth that I hear all the time. They need teeth to eat solid food. This myth has been perpetuated and repeated back to me. And even there have been times where I've been feeding my kids and thought, well, this would probably go easier if they had teeth. But this would go easier if they had teeth and they need teeth to eat solid food are two very different things. So yes, it is true that teeth are there for a reason, right? We do need teeth to ultimately become better and more effective chewers. Now, that being said, some children don't get their teeth for many months, if not maybe even a couple of years, and especially those molars. So we know the front teeth are more like cutters, more like knives to take bites, to uh, slice things, to get things broken up a little bit. But then our molars are really there to do what's called a rotary chew, to chew and pulverize the food in our mouth, to make it nice and small, to create a bolus that's easy to swallow. So of course, teeth are important. Absolutely, teeth are important. But that being said, our baby's gums are strong. If you've ever put your finger in your kid's mouth and they have like suckled on it and then all of a sudden bit it, you you know that this is true. Their gums are strong and powerful. And that's because although teeth are important and helpful, they are not actually the powerhouses. Your jaw is the powerhouse, meaning that your teeth are tools put on top of a powerhouse. So if you think of it, 
the jaw is really the deciding factor there. The teeth are important, but without the jaw, the teeth can do little to almost no damage. So yes, the teeth are important, but that comes with time. So that being said, you don't have to wait on solid food to, um, or you don't have to wait on teeth rather to introduce solid food. But what that does mean is that the way that we introduce solid food is different if they have teeth or not, and even more so if they can use those teeth in an effective manner. Now that's a podcast for another day, but just know that they absolutely do not need teeth to start solid food. But I would recommend starting off with very soft bits of food so they can mash it between their gums. Think of it kind of like your forefinger and your thumb. Whatever you can mash between those two fingers without like extraneous amounts of effort, then they can likely do it with their gums as well. All right. I got to speed up here because like I said, I had six. Good thing I didn't keep the full list, but here we are. Step or step two. Myth two is what I mean. They will prefer sweet foods if you start with sweet foods. So a lot of times parents are really afraid to start with something like fruit um, for their little one or even sweet potato because it's a really sweet food. And they think that if they give their child sweet foods to start with um, for solids, that their kid will have a preferential treatment towards more sweet foods. And this isn't exactly true. And it's especially not uh, researched at all. And even in anecdotal evidence, this just doesn't hold up simply because breast milk is one of the sweetest foods on the planet. In fact, uh, there's actually categories of how sweet different foods are. There's ways that they can measure this and breast milk is very sweet. So that would tell us then if they like breast milk and they eat breast milk, especially for the first six months of their life, then they wouldn't like something like a beet or a uh, Brussels sprout or something a little bit more bitter. But that's just simply not the case. In fact, especially with breast milk babies, because there's already variety in the different flavors, they're already predisposed to like those different flavors. And we all know formula does not taste sweet. I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's not super sweet. So this uh, myth just really doesn't hold up and is just simply not true. So you are free to start with whatever, uh, whatever food you'd like to start with, whether or not it is sweet. All right. Myth number three, you need to start solids earlier. The earlier, the better. In fact, people will even say even as early as three to four months, maybe even earlier, starting with a little bit of a infant cereal in the bottle. So uh, what I want to preface here is, of course, talk with your pediatrician, but also make sure to ask questions because the research really does point to holding off on solids until around six months of age. And even more important than age, although that's a good starting point, is their developmental abilities. And so I actually have a podcast on this. If you want to go back and listen, it's uh, talking about when to start solids, like signs of readiness. So you can listen to that. I go a little bit more in depth, but this is kind of old adage. And in fact, they find that that um, because the gut is not fully formed until around six months of age, it can actually be harmful to introduce these foods earlier to the gut microbiome, which plays a huge role in their health long term. Now, that being said, I do want to put a little disclaimer here that the research still supports earlier introduction of foods, specifically if your little one has an immediate family um, uh, link to food allergies. So this is not just because you're afraid of food allergies or you don't want your child to have food allergies, but this is if like their mother, their father has severe food allergies. Again, you need to be speaking with your pediatrician about making a plan of introducing solid foods because it's also not indicated for every child that has this. So just a little disclaimer there. All right. The next myth actually has to do with allergies as well. So it goes right into it is that you need to wait to, to introduce allergen foods until the one year mark or later. All right. So this is really important. I actually have an entire episode I did with Leah um, from 
baby led weaning meals app about allergies and introducing them. So again, you can go back and listen to that here on the podcast. But what I will say with allergies is this used to be uh, the accepted practice. And now we've learned through research and um, through all the evidence that the earlier the better as far as around that six month year of age um, or month of age rather. So we want to be introducing allergens early and often. So we want to start off early, one at a time, multiple days in between different allergen foods, like the top eight or now top nine allergies, which again, I have an entire episode on that you can listen to introducing those. And not only do we want to do it early, but we also want to do it often because even though it feels like, oh, we did peanut butter and they didn't have a reaction, we're good to go. That's actually not the case. In fact, a lot of people actually experience their allergic reaction the second, third, fourth, or even fifth time introducing that food. So that's why we want to do it early and often. And what we've been finding in the research is that if we wait until we have a delayed start for allergies around the one-year mark, our risk of developing food allergies actually goes up. So we want to make sure we are introducing those foods right around that six, seven, eight-month mark. Um, And again, early and often and run through those allergenic foods frequently. All right. The next myth is food before one is just for fun. This is such an easy myth to, to repeat because it's like cute and jingly and kind of rhythmic, right? <laughs> food before one is just for fun. Ugh, those rhyming myths will get you every single time. So I understand the intent behind this uh, idea that food before one is just for fun. And oftentimes it does relax parents a little bit to know that, okay, this doesn't really count, right? But it actually does count. And you're actually doing so much work for our little ones by introducing food before one. And this myth, although I can understand the intent, really kind of puts parents on this like uh, on their heels, right? They're like, I don't really have to lean into this. Maybe they'll skip a meal here or there. Maybe I won't offer this food. Maybe I won't do that. You know, all those sorts of things. And kids can be not only missing out on vital nutrients, but they're also missing a huge opportune window of learning how to eat. This is the time where they learn how to chew, how to move food around their mouth, how to manipulate it, how to swallow it, how to really understand how that entire mechanism works. And this is the time they're doing it. It's also really important for texture introduction. And there's this thing called the flavor window of time, which is like six to 18 months where we can introduce and capitalize on their ability to taste different flavors, which has shown that um, as we capitalize on that when they're younger, they do a better job with different flavors and textures later. And so really, if we're not introducing food regularly until after a year, we're missing out on almost half that flavor window time. So it's really an important time to capitalize on that. So food before one is just for fun is just a total myth in all different ways, not only nutritionally, but also developmentally. This is a really important time between six and 12 months to capitalize on using solids to also progress them developmentally and use their fine motor skills and their gross motor skills and learn how their body works and how to swallow and all of these things. They're learning so, so much and it is so important. So I understand the intent, but uh, it's just a flat out myth. So All right, the next one that I wanted to get to, actually our final one for today, unless I hear that you want another one, in in which case I can certainly do that, um, is number six, spices and flavorings aren't for baby. So the food should be bland. Have you ever heard this before? Bland food, no seasoning, keep it simple. And although this isn't wrong, like there's nothing against giving your baby just a mashed steamed sweet potato, it's also not fully correct either. 
And what I mean by that is kind of blending in from the last myth that this is their flavor window. This is their opportune time to introduce them to multiple different flavors. And so yes, we want to be careful in doing that, that we're not introducing them to a whole bunch of different things on the same day. And then if they have a reaction, we don't know what it's from. That can be really overwhelming as a parent as well, because although there's the top nine allergens, there's also like kids who are allergic to all sorts of different things. So we don't want to do that either. But we do want to give them an opportunity to have a really vast variety um, of different flavors and seasonings offered. Now, I do have an entire episode breaking down how much salt baby can and should have. Um, So you can go back and listen to that episode because I think this is where that's coming from. I think a lot of parents and uh, even pediatricians knew for a while that salt was uh, something to be concerned about. There's just not a lot of research on it, and we're not really sure how much salt a baby can handle. Um, But sodium is an important nutrient for like on a cellular level of how things move around in our cells. So sodium is important. However, that being said, um, we also don't know what that upper limit is per se, just because it's hard to test on babies. It's hard to throw a ton of salt at them and be like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. Like it's not exactly ethical. And so you can go back and listen to that episode and I kind of give you some tips around that. But I think because for a long time, salt was in every seasoning package and in every uh, seasoning like little container that people were just like, don't season your food. Uh, That's not the answer. We can just be more intentional about the different flavors and spices and blends that we're using while still also including that sodium. Like I said, sodium is a naturally occurring electrolyte and it is important for so many cellular functions, even in babies. So we don't want to avoid sodium altogether. Uh, So that being said, definitely spice and blend and add flavors for your little one and capitalize on this flavor window. All right, those are my six baby lead weaning slash purees slash feeding baby myths for today. I hope this was helpful for you. If it was, let me know and I'll be sure to do a part two. Uh, But until then, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.